Well, good morning, beloved. I'm Jonathan Coleman, one of the pastors here at Anderson Hills. It's so good to begin this series titled, God With Us. That's the focus of the whole Advent season. We're going to look at the power of the theological term known as incarnation, which means that God took on a human body, came down to earth, set up residence here in our neighborhood. On Christmas Eve, there's going to be people who are not connected to this church, and they'll most likely walk through these, these doors uh, for all of our services on Christmas Eve. It's a special and perfect time to be invitational. And as Mark pointed out, we have these cards here that are just perfect for this. Take one, five, ten, twenty, and get them in your neighbors. Drop them in your mailbox and invite them to this time where they can get connected to Jesus Christ. And you say, okay, what if I invite them and they don't come? Well, that's fine. You still have planted a seed. These cards can be a seed for their lives. And so take as many as, they, as you can out there and pass them out to your friends and relatives and uh, friends, relatives, and neighbors. You know, here's the backbone of our Advent series. Scripture, Matthew 23. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Isn't it cool when somebody says, I am with you. I am with you. I have your back. I am with you throughout every circumstances, highs and lows. You know, it's pretty easy to believe that God is with us when things are going good. Whenever we get really good news, get a raise when the baby sleeps through the night, or you have your first grandchild, or you fall in love, or you make a new a friend, or all of your online orders from Amazon arrive at the same time. <laughs> it's amazing how you pray for that hedge of protection to be around your Amazon uh, driver. <laughs> but sometimes it's more difficult to sense His presence when you're in the valley. And you get bad news, or you're, you're feeling grief and sorrow. You're hurting, you're lonely, you're worried, you're scared, you're battling depression. I want to talk to you today about God in the valley. Much of your life can be going very well, but there's still that one area that weighs down on you. The valley. The tragedy that comes in and steals everything that you've been hoping for, some of you maybe are right there right now. Some seasons and pockets of your life were very good, but you go and you experience that valley in the human journey. Maybe your marriage is blessed, but you've got this kid that's making crazy decisions, and it hurts so much. Maybe you're close to God, and you sense God's presence, but at the same time, you're afraid about your job. Are you really excited about the holidays and getting together with the family, yet you have some really bad medical news? There's so, so many things. Maybe one or two things take you down into that valley. And sometimes we pray, where are you, God, in this valley? In the Bible, valleys represented several things. Battles took place in the valleys. Some of you right now may be in a battle in the middle of a valley. 
But it's also interesting that valleys were a time of growth for many people in the Bible. You know, we may enjoy God on the mountaintops, but we get to know Him intimately in the valleys. We may know Him, enjoy Him when times are really good, but we get to know Him in a completely different way in those valleys, my friends. Psalm 84 talks about people on a journey, and during this journey, they go through, walk through the valleys. Let's look at Psalm 84, 5 through 7. Blessed are those whose strength is in you, whose hearts are set on pilgrimage. As they pass through the valley of Baca, they make a place of springs, and the autumn rains also cover it with pools. They go from strength to strength till each appears before God in Zion. What is this valley of Baca? Sounds like a cup of coffee. Give me some of that Baca. (laughs) We're not 100% sure. But there's some interesting possibilities if you dig into uh, the scriptures and the studies and commentaries. The valley of Baca was most likely related to a tree. Very similar spelling. And this tree would ooze out sap. And if you walk by this tree, some people would say, that tree is a weeper. It looks like the tree was crying. And that's why the Valley of Baca is translated differently in Scripture. It's called the Valley of Tears. Other scholars refer to it as a very dry place. And it shows how these pilgrims were transformed by in that dry place, making it a place of springs. And it's a powerful contrast. Psalm 84, 5. Blessed are those whose strength is in you, whose hearts are set on pilgrimage. You know, if you don't know God intimately, then what, then what you have is all you have. But for those who are Christ followers, we believe that we have a strength that goes beyond, goes beyond just what we have. We have access to a heavenly strength, my friends. And that's why the psalm, psalmist has said, Blessed are those whose strength is found in you. I'll give you an example to help you understand this. Have you ever had to find strength in someone else? When I was in high school, I would do bench presses with a buddy named Jimmy Holloran. His nickname was Bobo. <laughs> and we would do these sets called pyramids. And we'd load up the bars with the maximum set of weight that we could bench press. Around that time, it was 35 years ago, I would be able to bench press about 220, 230. And Jimmy was highly motivational. He'd stand above me, and I would do one set, and then he would take off uh, about 10 pounds and put them on the floor, and then I'd pump the lighter version of that, 10 pounds less, and continue to do that, that pyramid, all the way down to where I would be bench pressing the 45-pound bar, but I could barely get that 45-pound bar up, and Jimmy would be going, wait, Whitey, come on, Whitey, push it up, Whitey, and he'd be yelling at me, and he would have his, he wouldn't touch the bar, but he'd have his hands around the bar, and by the end of it, I was exhausted, I couldn't even lift up that 45-pound, and he would be there, and he'd lift it up, if not, probably fall down and bust my nose and blood would be everywhere. But he would help me bust out those reps. You know, there's good news for those of you who are Christ followers. There's a power bigger than Jimmy Bobo. 
It's our God who when you hit the end of your strength, 2 Corinthians says that his strength is made perfect in our weakness. Blessed are those whose strength is found in God. You know, if you're in the middle of a valley right now, you have access to a very real and ever-present power of God who is ready to help you in your time of need. Blessed are those whose strength is found in God. The text doesn't say, you know, blessed are those who make it on their own. It doesn't say blessed are those who pull themselves up by their own bootstraps. It doesn't say blessed are those who are really determined. One of the biggest problems in our world is, is, is really determined independence. I don't need anybody. I don't want people to be there for me. I don't want to trust people. I don't need God. I don't need anybody. We were not created to be independent like that. We were created by God to be dependent on God and to be, and to be dependent on others. When I was an Air Force chaplain, we had this incredible uh, message of resiliency that we would proclaim out to our airmen. We would talk to them about not being alone, trying to get through things alone, but to have resiliency. And resiliency is calling out for help. It's a sign of strength. And we made it our foot-stomping message to our airmen because the suicide rates were crazy in that time of the global war on terror. Some of us are here today in the midst of maybe a broken marriage that desperately needs intervention, but we won't tell anybody. There's quiet desperation. We won't seek counseling. We won't tell our life group or band. And you think you can just tough it through. You say, I got it. But the reality is that you don't. You're being foolish and prideful if you think you can't go it alone. To lose maybe the most important human relationship that you got all because of your arrogance. What if you had the courage to take a risk and ask for help in all situations and circumstances? Maybe God's putting that friend on your heart right now or that counselor or that, that book that you read long ago, but you need to dig into it again. Or maybe you need to come see one of your pastors, Pastor Mark or Sue Lee or, or John, myself. Don't suffer alone. Don't try to do it alone. God wants to meet you in the valley. Others of you are suffering from heavy stuff from the past or present trauma or, or abuses. Maybe even think about ending it all. You're in the valley. You're trying to do it on your own. Please, my friend, reach out. Find strength from others. We're here to help. You've got to lean into this. You've got to, you, got to, you have to do what it takes in his presence. Psalm 84, 5 says, Blessed are those whose strength is in you, whose hearts are set on the pilgrimage. I love that. We're on a pilgrimage. We're on this human journey. And we may be in a valley at times, but we are going a place, <laughs> to a place. And the psalmist says it's Jerusalem. It's a city of refuge. We're going to a place of peace. One commentary said, to get to the city of refuge, you have to travel through the valley of tears. And I like that imagery. 
In order to get where you really appreciate the presence and power of God, you have to push through the pain. Listen, some, some of you need to hear this right now. Your current situation may be in a valley, but your mind can be set on God. Your heart may be racing, but your mind can be set on God. Your soul may be aching, but your mind can be set on God. Your emotions might be all over the place, but your mind can be fixed on the one who is your strength. There may be too much to do, too much pressure with the in-laws. There may be wondering how you're going to pay for Christmas and on and on and on and on. But God will be there on that pilgrimage. We may be in the valley, but we are kingdom people depending on the strength and power, that kind of heavenly power that comes from our Lord. I remember in 1996, I was doing my uh, seminary clinical pastoral education at the Christ Hospital, and I would spend about 15 hours at that time uh, doing that during the week while I was going to seminary. And <laughs> Pastor Doug Mitchell, he, he put me on the oncology floor. This new 26-year-old seminarian. And every day, it seemed like I was sitting beside people who were dying, people who were struggling with life and hanging on, people didn't, who didn't know what to expect with death. And I remember just getting to the point where I, I remember going over to my, my in-law's house and just weeping one time. And I didn't know what to do. Because it was just so tough to try to get through that stuff. Finally, Doug said, Jonathan, you got to pray. You can't rely upon your own strength, man. Go down to the chapel. Pray. And I found myself doing that three or four times a day, going down to the chapel at Christ Hospital. And when I left there, I felt power and strength from the Lord to help me to minister in his name to these people who are at the end of their life. Psalm 84, 6 says, as they pass through the valley of Baca, they make it a place of springs. The autumn rains also cover it with pools. In other words, you might be in a valley right now, but the valley is not your destination. It's not your home. You're just passing through. And I love this phrase in that psalm. They pass through the valley of Baca. They, make it a, they made it a place of springs. In other words, whenever you're in a dry place, what do you do? You just sit there? You dig a well by the strength that God gives you. You build a cistern and a container because this psalmist proclaims that God's going to fill that with fresh water. When you're dry, when you're hurting, you make room for the presence of God in your life. You make room for the provision of God. And I know my God will provide all I need. It will provide for you and all you need. It's almost like God is saying, show me your faith and I'll show you my faithfulness. If you dig it, I will fill it. If you show me your faith, I will show you my faithfulness. Look, valleys happen. Pain and disappointment, they are facts of life, my friends. There's no getting around it. The question is, is how we will handle those valleys. You see, life is 10% of what happens to you and 90% of how you respond. Will you give up, plop down on the ground, self-wallow, woe is me? Or as 
my mother-in-law said, would say, get some self-respect. Move on. Walk through that valley with God at your side. God never, never ever promised that you would never go through the valley. He promised you would never have to go through the valley alone, my friends. God with us. A virgin shall be with child, and his name shall be called Emmanuel, God with us. And as we journey through that valley of Baca, we're going to find a place of peace. Verse 7 says, they go on from strength to strength, till each appears before God in Zion. And we'll go from a little bit of strength to a little bit more strength, to even more strength in God, to even more of his strength. They'll go forth from strength to strength, not our strength, but his strength and his might. Here's what I learned. Give thanks in all circumstances. We can enjoy him on the mountaintops, but listen to me. We get to know him in intimate ways in the valleys. He reveals his character to us in those valleys. And we can sense that his strength is, is, is in a way that, that we can't otherwise experience while being intimately connected to him in the valleys. We're just passing through. He's a good God. He's going to see us through. I read a poem by Tracy Mayfield. Beautiful poem. It says, Sometimes life seems hard to bear, full of sorrow, trouble, and woe. It's then I have to remember that it's in the valleys I grow. If I always stayed on the mountaintop and never experienced pain, I would always never appreciate God's love and I would be living in vain. I have so much to learn, and my growth is very slow. Sometimes I need the mountaintops, but it's in the valleys that I grow. I do not always understand why things happen as they do, but I am very sure one thing, the Lord will see me through. My little valleys are nothing when I picture Christ on the cross. He went through the valley of death. His victory was Satan's loss. Forgive me, Lord, for proclaiming when I'm feeling very low. Just give me a gentle reminder, it's in the valley that I grow. Continue to strengthen me, Lord, and use my life each day to share your love with others and help them find their way. Thank you for the valleys, Lord, for this one thing I know. The mountaintops are glorious, but it's in the valleys I grow. So right now you may feel weak, saying, who is God? But in the midst of that weakness, God is your strength. Maybe when you're in darkness, you're asking, where are you, God? God is light in the darkness. When you're in a season of trouble, who is our God? He's the joy in that trouble. When you're in the middle of pain, who is our God? He's the comforter in the midst of that pain. We pass through the valley, even though we're in the valley, we do not fear. Why? Because he is with us. That same God that's good on the mountaintop is good to us in the valley. And we get to know him, like I said, in that valley. And God will lead us out from strength to strength. Lean on him. I want to highlight another valley in scripture. Probably the most famous, famous reference to a valley. Psalm 23, 4. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Or the darkest valleys, it said in another translation, I will not be afraid, 
you're close beside me. I love the King James, though. It refers to the valley of the shadow of death. And maybe this is the best example uh, that comes from our Lord Jesus Christ, who walked out of the upper room in Jerusalem, the upper room, and then had to go down to dark Gethsemane, where he would suffer horrible, horrific anticipation to the torture that he would endure on the cross. And his best friends were sleeping. And he was in agony and he asked God, is there any other possible way? Please take this cup from me. Yet not my will be done, yours be done. And we remember this cup, this bread that we find at this table is the very remembrance of his holy presence among us. And we get to take that table today and dine with him so that we would be healed forgiven and free, and his blood shed, his body broken for us, for the forgiveness of sins. God is with you. God with us. Let us pray. God, we pray that you would, in this time of communion, that you would meet us and remind us of your faithful promises, that you are indeed here, present, living in us and through us, through our thoughts, words, and actions. As we come to this table, O oh Lord, may we be remembered of your incredible presence, that you never leave us or forsake us. We thank you, Jesus, for your sacrificial love that was poured out upon the cross. And as we partake of your body and your blood, may we remember, remember your promises and your presence with us now and forever. In Jesus' name. Amen.